so I'm driving again, once again, driving and recording this podcast. I am going on holiday and I am driving alone with Everest. It is a bummer. My husband can't come with me, but Everest is sleeping in the car right now and So I'm going to talk really quietly, but um, hold the microphone up to my mouth really close so I can uh, hopefully record this without any interruptions. I'm going to pray that we can just have a really long chat. Well, it probably won't be that long, but you know what I mean. I just wanted to get on here because... I, well, I didn't have hardly little to no service right now, and so I couldn't listen to anything, and I thought this would be a really good opportunity to record this week's podcast if it works out, and I wanted to chat, and I just don't have any service. Actually, one of my friends was supposed to call me at this time, but obviously I have no service and it's not working out so I'm going to record this week's podcast and um, hope for the best so okay so I want to talk a little bit about all the most random jobs I've ever had and I've been thinking about this a little bit and I think I think you know a lot of people I think people do have you know a lot of different weird jobs in their lifetime I think as culture shifts and jobs that were never even available like 30 years ago are now like the best or like some of the best jobs that were never even a thought you know could never even dream of and um I was talking to my husband the other day and his brother and we were just talking about how there's such random jobs these days and how like honestly we don't have the jobs that they had 50 years ago like a blacksmith or a tailor those jobs still exist but they're very slim and nil because we just get things like manufactured like made in mass you know and so you don't see that in every town like a blacksmith or you know a tailor or a baker I mean yeah they still have bakery so maybe that one's forever but it's food but you know what I mean and so like a seamstress you know those are like very slim and nil and you might not see them in every town where those jobs were like everything back in the day you know but now a social media marketer or a you know graphic designer or 
I don't know. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. So I think the jobs of our day really, really vary a lot more today. And I think I, I'm, I'm just so curious. Like every time when I meet someone new, I always want to know like the different jobs that they've done in their life. Because I think if you meet someone that's, let's say, 50 you can bet that they have had a few jobs in their lifetime and i think you meet the the one-off person that's had like the same job or like only a few jobs their whole life but then i have met people that that have had more jobs in their 20 years old than i mean a 50 year old you know but but that's also because today kids people millennials what have you like don't often stay in the same job like their whole life like maybe people did 10 15 20 years ago you know what i mean our parents so i i you can hear hopefully you're hearing the car a little bit and i'm sorry about that this is just the best opportunity for this week to record my podcast and um so i hope it doesn't bother you too much but you're probably if you've been listening to podcasts i've had in the past then you've probably used to a lot of background noise because i record when i can so anyway i wanted to talk about the different jobs that i've had and some of my experiences with that and I've had quite a few and some of them are ridiculous not gonna lie so I'll just start at the beginning my first job I've ever I ever had I was actually like underage at Taco John's in my hometown and it's not there anymore so yeah there's that the guy was actually the guy was so weird we think he was a pedophile or something weird because um which is funny to say that i was underage um, to work but i got to work there anyway um he had cameras set up all over so like if we were doing something wrong i remember our manager was doing something and we got a call and it was him and he's like why aren't you doing this you should be doing this right now and um that was the craziest thing because like how do you know he wasn't there and he knew what we were doing at all times and then we realized there were cameras and there was rumor that he did something bad to one of the girls that worked there but um shortly after that it the whole thing shut down and it quit like I mean I didn't quit I don't think I remember I think it just like shut down I was only 15 so you know but I do remember making the potato olays oh my gosh and we made the weirdest flavors with the potato olays that was like our favorite creation we did like sour cream and cinnamon 
with the potato olays you wouldn't think but it is so amazing and then we would do like a savory blend with like the hot sauce the taco john's hot sauce and sour cream and that was so good i remember i can't those are the two i can think of but we oh i remember the nacho cheese and hot sauce and sour cream oh so good a heart attack in a bowl but nonetheless incredible You know, with all the jobs, like, in the food industry, the food was pretty good wherever I ate. So, um, that was always a perk. The next job I worked at, I didn't work there long at that first job, but I don't remember ever quitting is the thing. I think the place just shut down. Um. But my next job, I worked at the subway in my hometown. And the subway was the spot. I am telling you, I was only 16 when I started this job. But I am telling you, subway was the jam spot to be. Like, that's where people went to hang out after school like it was subway if you were like a good kid but if you're a bad kid it was like the park or something and do drugs you know but i remember subway and i remember like i'm working at taco when i the year before i worked at taco john's and like still knowing that subway was the jam spot but i worked at taco john's not as cool and then when I worked at Subway, oh my gosh, I had arrived, people. I worked at Subway now. I had arrived. I had arrived. I was working in the cool place in town, and it was awesome because you could eat as much food while you were working. They just let you eat and eat and eat as much as you would like. Um, that's probably why they also like hired girls probably no that's probably not why but it was mostly women that worked there probably because we can't eat very much no I don't know why but um yeah so but I also remember that was the first time well not exactly the first time but I do remember valuing my like measuring my worth based on how good or bad I did a job how good I how good or bad I did something determined my worth and that wasn't the first time I think the first time I valued my worth on how I did I mean maybe it went farther back than this but I remember it being sixth grade it could have gone back farther than that I think that's hilarious that I said hold on as if I'm on the phone with you. That's how I feel right now. That we're on the phone. Because the baby like threw his rattle. But he was asleep. And he threw it in his sleep kind of. Which is a weird thing. But he fell right back asleep. Amen. The Lord is with us. The Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. Okay just kidding. But still. 
the presence of the Lord really is here. The presence of the Lord. Okay. Anyway, so I am gonna listen back to that and be so embarrassed that I sang that. Okay, anyways. So but I do remember feeling like to be valued enough to be good enough I had to do a good job and not mess up and be fast enough and get things right and not mess up and I remember messing up a lot in that job and the person that was training me I remember getting very short with me and not appreciating me and devaluing me and just kind of feeding into the own my own thoughts well there's probably the enemy's thoughts about me you know that I'm not good enough worthy enough because I'm not doing a good job and and it was just feeding into that and I remember having my hands all cut up because you have to wash it we had to wash our hands every time someone came to get a new a sandwich and then we put gloves on and so my hands were cut they bled I do remember getting fired from that job because I was doing homework but the thing is everybody did homework and I think I didn't wash my hands one time because my hands were bloody from washing them so much and I think one time they were like even though I put gloves on I put gloves on but I didn't wash my hands before that and um, I think I went down to like one day a week I used to work a lot more but then I started going down like time frame wise with how much work I could do and I think that was messing with their schedule so they decided to kind of find a way to fire me if you will so that was unfortunate okay so the next job I had after Subway started to work at I think I was just over the fast food scene at that point and I wanted to make tips so I got into serving at a golf course a really high-end golf course I might add it was a private golf course in fact and I started, I think I started bartending. That was the first job I had outside after Subway. And I had no idea because I couldn't drink alcohol, but I was bartending. Go figure that one out. I have no idea how that worked. I think I worked at Subway for two years. And then I remember turning, I remember being 18 and working behind the bar serving people drinks but I myself could not drink hilarious I know and that was challenging but yet there was a lot of grace for some reason 
person with that job like even the people that the people that I were serving drinks to they would tell me oh you put this and this and this in it and they didn't even care that I didn't know I think because I was so young and I was only like 18 they had so much grace you know what I mean and I just was flat out honest with them like I have no idea what I'm doing but you can tell me what what's in your drink like what do you like like what is in it you know and I just think they didn't care and it was just a low-key relaxed place so although it was very high-end I don't know it must not have been that high-end although it was I don't know people had their weddings there graduations there like college high school reunions I mean it was a big deal I remember in that job seeing the most gorgeous incredible wedding what is it wedding receptions the most stunning of places and people had their dances you know on the floor and then like on the dance floor you know and then we also had this huge patio that was all lit up and just like with lights like tiki not tiki lights um, maybe they're tiki lights I don't know twinkle lights I don't know what they're called but like the Edison kind and they were so beautiful like warm lights all over this like princess patio no kidding it was such a wonderful place I learned a lot about what I might want for my wedding and I remember setting everything up it was just a lot of fun and um yeah I did that and then I served that was my first job serving as well as bartending I had to do both nobody ever taught me anything so I didn't know that you could have like an order for the table but I don't think they had that you were just supposed to keep it all in order and know what to do Uh, I just didn't know I had never served and I wanted to do well so obviously I just maybe I had too much pride I don't know I don't think I did because of the bartending situation and I just was like I don't know not at that time I didn't have pride you know so anyways I they nobody told me that there was like an order like the latest serving job which I'll get to um they taught me how to actually serve and that's like 10 years later more than that 15 maybe I don't know no, not quite 15, but a lot. And like 12 years late or more. I don't know. You know what? It was a long time. Over 10 years. And they finally taught me how to serve. And it makes a world of a difference when you know how to serve versus not. Okay, that makes total, like, I feel like I'm just saying common sense. But like when you order the seats on the table like you have every seat on the table is numbered and then every table is numbered and then I don't know you learn lots of tricks with when you work with like really high-end servers so anyways 
Um, I'll get to that later. So then um, after that golf course, I think I worked at a few other golf courses. I worked at a golf course in my hometown. I worked at the private golf course I mentioned earlier, and then I worked at the one in my hometown. I, at that, when I worked at the one in my hometown, I was serving. I never bartended. They had a higher standard for bartending at this golf course, which was not private, which is so funny. And then they. Uh, so I learned how to bev cart, beverage cart, do bev cart. And that was the college, high school girl's dream of a job. I'm telling you. The reason it's high school and college girl's dream is because you have to do little to nothing but drive a golf cart around. You get to sell beer and liquor which means people tip you. You get to smell, smell, sell candy and sandwiches. You get to eat sandwiches and candy and drive around and get tan all day and have fun and joke around with people that are enjoying their time or partying or having a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or doing a contest or tournament I mean honestly the best summer job and you get tan all summer and you get to wear comfy cute clothes every day seriously it's the best job yeah it's a little bit of work but dude best summer job so much fun I loved that job. People would would tip you so well. I remember this one guy buying a beer. He was like an inventor. He invented these golf court these golf shoes where the laces would be all undone and you put your foot in the shoe and then you push down and then the laces go up all the way into the shoe they like roll up in the shoe underneath your foot or something and yeah basically your your laces are tied right then but they're golf shoes I'm like what those are amazing so he would buy like a Reese's and a Coors every time and give you a $20 like he'd give you a $20 bill buy a beer which is probably you know three four dollars and then a Reese's which is probably one or two bucks and then he just you keep the rest that is the sweetest I was like oh and he did that every time yeah so that was definitely just a fun summer because that kind of thing would happen all the time college and in high school I mean let's be honest it's it was so much it was so needed so 
also was a personal care attendant for mentally disabled or handicapped people. So a PCA is like, I think I just said it, personal care attendant, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, I was looking at a hay bale and got completely distracted. Um, Yeah, so I would take care of different people I took care of. I can't go into detail because of HIPAA, obviously, and you would never know the people even if I did, but um, I worked with a little five-year-old who had opposite deficit disorder. I guess that's a real thing. And whenever, I don't know, I feel like it's made up, but you know, it is what it is. People make everything up. Um, So yeah, like I would have to trick her into drinking. Like I would, her mom, there was like chocolate milk in the fridge and she could have like two glasses or something a day and her mom wanted her to drink the chocolate milk but she wouldn't just because her mom said that she had to so I told her she needed to drink the white milk and then she would drink the chocolate milk I remember her running away different times that's the most scary thing in the whole world for a babysitter type caregiver it was like I was basically babysitting in a way because she was five and I don't know. It was just they considered it that she had a mental disability. So one time I worked with yeah, I worked with an elderly woman who wouldn't eat ever. She weighed like no no she was tiny. Um, I worked with a person my age with autism and Asperger's. Um, at one point it got really inappropriate with him and that's kind of why I was so glad to be done with him because he was just in that age where he was kind of like in puberty. It was like his growth was stunted and so essentially like and then 
maybe things have changed now. Oh, the podcast yawn. And, um, coming in clutch. Like it always does. Um, yeah, so then I worked there for at least a year. That was such a terrible job folding clothes that's all i did for hours and hours and hours was fold clothes stand there wearing my clothes and getting paid little to nothing it was oh it was so terrible that's all i'm gonna say i don't even think i hardly ever used the little discount that they gave you same time one of the four jobs I worked at our college as an athletic like you could get like student aid if you qualified and get paid to work at the school and I was like an athletic person I don't know I worked in the athletic department because I was playing basketball at the time so I would wash laundry I would take tickets for games like volleyball games and men's basketball games um, I would keep score, I would run the, the table, like the the book table, keeping track of the game, all the fouls and steals and all that stuff, the score table. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things I did, like the snack, like the snack area where you can buy treats for games, I don't know, yeah, I did that as well at that same time I mean it was so it was a blessing you know to be able to have that and then we could do like random odd jobs and get paid which was nice because when you're going to school and then you also play a sport at that same school it's just nice to be able to work in the same place because for I had a few other jobs and you just have to run all over town and go there and just be there because you're studying and playing basketball and just working there too is just another just amazing so the next uh oh the next job what else okay so at this point I'm still in college first year at a new college and I started working as a student teacher there weren't enough teachers or something that were ready to teach so I just started student teaching even though that wasn't my major and I they put me in kindergarten to student teach and that was eye-opening to say the least I was sick like that whole year go figure and I was kind of like the tutor for like kids that needed a little extra help so I spent every day going over words and letters and numbers and math and English like over lots of different things with the kids that needed extra help that was fun it was rewarding and difficult because the kids that always had 
help that needed help were also the same kids that often had a hard time paying attention or were distractible or had like parent parental like home issues going on at home and they would tell you which is the scary thing too that was really eye-opening when I did that because I realized kids even up to five years old they just all want your attention all at once and they all want it every one of them wants it you know so to have like there was 26 kids in that room obviously there was the actual teacher I wasn't the teacher teacher I was a student teacher and they also had like sometimes like for this there's a special needs kid in there and so they had another teacher kind of helping that special that that child plus kind of she was helping other kids too so that I don't know it was extremely rewarding and made me not really want to teach in a way so after that I moved to Spain across the world and it's really hard to get jobs I think at that time Obama was in office and it was extremely hard for the people of that country or in Europe at all to, to find a job so they definitely weren't going to give foreigners or students from other countries jobs when the people in their own country need jobs themselves that live there and are citizens so it was very hard to find a job there and uh so but I did end up finding a few jobs I ended up volunteering so before I got any jobs I volunteered as a another student teacher well I volunteered as a student teacher okay I said that to eighth graders teaching them English and that was so much fun because I just got to tell stories about life in the United States and they would just hear me speak English and then when the teacher would teach English sometimes they would say things that don't make sense and I would correct them. That was kind of hard because you're correcting a teacher. But most of them were extremely humble and were like, well, this is your native language. So they understood. What I found was really interesting in that time was that in Spain specifically, I don't know if they do this everywhere else, but they taught the language in their own language so like the problem I felt like with the United States was the reason I feel like I didn't learn as much I mean is because I learned Spanish in English so how does that make any sense you're learning a language in a different like you should be speaking the language you're learning you know what I mean so that 
hearing is that language and then when you don't understand something you write it down and you figure it out or you ask questions but don't just speak in your own language and, and so I found that they did the same thing they spoke they taught English and Spanish well when you get to college Spanish or college a college language even in high school some of our courses that were higher AP like Spanish was taught in Spanish like the Spanish we are learning was taught in Spanish you know as it should be so if you're learning a German class the teacher should speak mostly German if even okay let's say it's a beginner you've never spoken in your life then the majority of the course should be in okay so the majority of the course should be in that language anyways I was teaching in Spain I was teaching English and when I was at this it was a private school like a private Catholic school and I would meet the kids and then the kids would tell their parents about me or sometimes I would meet their parents but mostly their parents would know about me and then they the parents would end up wanting me to teach their kids for like eight euros eight to 13 euros a day or like an hour and I would only go for like one hour or two hours you know so and I would go like I think I ended up booking a new person almost every day in my second semester in Spain so I did a whole year and the first semester I only had like one or two people but by the end I had someone for almost every day of the week which was so handy for just like extra money while living there and um, that was such a blessing so fun job because I just got to talk to the kids and speak English and teach them I was teaching them by just being with them pretty much because I spoke English and all I had to do was speak in English and that was helping them so let's see where am I okay I came back from Europe and I remember having a job basically where I worked with the marketing department but sports marketing department so I worked at football games and rugby games and basketball games and volleyball games and I got paid to hand things out or take tickets or give away prizes or give away like make drawings like for the bouncy chairs I don't know like different contests put on different events it was always 
It was always really, really fun, all the things that I did during that time. I am going to say that is... Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So, before... I forgot to mention before I went to Spain, I spent my first summer driving semi-truck as a trucker on the farm, my uncle's farm. That was an experience I'll never forget, especially being kind of like a city girl growing up. Although I did spend every summer at my grandma's farm, which is very nearby my uncle's. It's still like an experience I'll never forget because it's completely different when you're driving a semi. Luckily, I didn't have to go like cross country. That would have been very dangerous, but I don't think my uncles would have let me do that at 18. So I spent the summer and the fall and winter, well, the fall. It was the summer and the fall. The summers you do corn. So, when you do this job, which I don't know if any of you are familiar with this, anyone that listens to this, but first of all, driving, learning how to drive a semi is ridiculous. You take up the entire highway, you're so high, and you make the widest turns in the whole world, and know trying not to flip the whole thing it's like 20,000 tons or something so no it's probably in over 100 tons I don't know I don't even remember but I drove an 18 wheeler and a 22 wheeler I've driven the triax um which just means it has three axles, like three points where the wheels are. It means it's a longer truck. And the corn, you have to drive your truck right under this grain belt. Well, it's like um, you drive it up next to the grain, the silos, and then uh, a grain like a grain belt or like a conveyor belt will come and it's like like a chute that's from the grain the I'm like blanking on my words bro the silos will shoot out like with an auger there's like a huge auger on the inside and it turns all the corn and siphons it into like this auger or this like conveyor belt thing that shoots the corn onto this conveyor belt and out over your truck and into your truck. So you have to line the truck up just right with the chute that hangs over your truck and you line it just upright and then you run down, you turn the auger on first. No, first you turn on the conveyor belt and then you turn on the auger and then you turn on to get the corn going or whatever. So 
so you do that and you have to make sure you do it in reverse order when you when you you do it that way I just said and then you do it the opposite way because you have to turn off the conveyor belt well you want to turn off the corn shooting in this is confusing because I haven't done this in a long time and I'm sure completely confusing you just because you can't see it you know what I mean and um then once the corn fills up right where you have it you have to keep the auger going and keep the conveyor belt going and then you jump in the truck and you move it a little bit forward so it makes another like mound of corn and then you put the you know the truck back in place the e-brake or not the e-brake but the truck in place and then you watch the corn again and then move the truck forward I mean there's like professional there's like some of these guys that are like big dudes like you know they don't work out they're big I mean what you think a trucker should look like you know and so they just sit in their truck and they watch the corn pile up when they can see it at the top they'll move it forward move it forward move it forward and then you turn it all off and then you 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 drive to the to the grain bit the grain plant or whatever and um so that was like a crazy job so you drive out to the the place the the grain the corn plant whatever i forget what it was called um i forget there's a name for it a brand you probably drive 10, 15 miles away, maybe 30. Actually, maybe it takes 30 minutes to get there. But, but before you drive away with the corn, you have to roll up. There's like a tarp. So you unhook the like pole that you twirl on the semi. And then you wrap the tarp down and then you lock it in place and lock the back and the pole in place. Then you drive 30 minutes to the plant, and then you get to the corn plants, and then you wait your turn with all the semis, then you finally get your shot to, you know, give the corn to the plant, which you drive in, you you get a little, you, you show them your ticket, because you have your farmers, whoever the farmer you work for has like a barcode and a ticket that they read so you scan in the ticket and then you drive forward in the plant your truck into the plant and then they tell you where to stop so there's people monitoring like there's a, a weight a scale underneath the semi so you drive in over the scale and then people tell you when to stop and the lights flash and then you unroll you unravel your corn, the, the tarp on top, and then they have like a probe that they stick in before, they stick the probe in the corn and they move the corn around. Now, I'm not exactly sure. I think they're looking, I, I never even, I think I knew at the time, but I am blanking on what they're looking for if they're sampling the corn or making sure it's good but it takes a couple minutes and then they'll say okay you're good to go and they weigh the corn how much it is and then 
you drive forward and then you're over a hole and people will tell you where depending on if you're like a side drop I don't think you can do side drops with corn you can either do like an under the belt like under the bucket drop or like where the bucket lifts like a dump truck type semi so that's the one I always do drove was the like dump truck type semi and um, so you drive over the hole they tell you you can go so you first you have to unlock the door in the back so you unhinge it with the button well first I'll put the e-brake on because because of the pressure from like when you're lifting the corn it can actually the the corn and everything can push your truck forward you might not flip from this but you definitely could it's definitely dangerous so you want to put the e-brake on then you open up the door the like the door that holds the corn in place you know like like a dump truck and then you you turn the hydraulic on and then you and you'll hear it it's beeping you know the hydraulic and then you li- you slowly lift the box and you let it go because you have to turn it officially like put it on to lift it and la 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 and you have to make sure you do it in that order and then when once they say okay all the corn is out you drop the box you turn off you turn off the hydraulics and then you drop the box and then you lock the door first and then you turn off the brakes and then you go and you want to make sure you're doing it in that order because otherwise people have left and started driving with their box up the lovely podcast yawn makes another appearance and you want to make sure you lock the door so the next time you fill up with corn you don't just dump the corn out all over the ground and then it's wasted um you get in a lot of trouble for that and then so you then you make your way out the corn and then you go for another load so i did that all summer back and forth and back and forth and you do that all day i got so many styes in my eye because the the corn is all dried in the grain bin back at the farm and you get corn like the the little corn there's like if you pop corn you can see like there's like a little shell on it that kind of like gets hidden in the corn well when it's dried to be sold at like a grain bin like a grain company uh the little shells actually fly off when they're being dried and that I always got stuck in my eye which always caused styes like that summer had so many styes in my eyes and those are the worst if I wore glasses I hardly ever got styes but if I wore a contact which I don't know if somebody knows why that is comment down below why because I have no idea the worst and I hated it because I could never wear contacts and I only want to wear contacts like I hated wearing glasses they get so heavy on your nose and you look so funny wearing glasses it's just the most annoying thing if I'm being honest so yeah then 
Um, another thing I did on the farm was soybeans. Now, soybeans were my least favorite job of all the things that I did while driving truck. Soybeans, you... Uh, how did we get the soybeans? I'm thinking, yeah, that's what we did. So, soybeans, you go out to the field. Oh, three yawns. You go out to the field. They are plowing the soybeans. They harvest them into your truck, and then you drive them in to into the farmyard and you have to the way ours was lined up we had these tiny 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 this tiny little area where you had to just perfectly line the back of your truck up and dump your truck in onto the like a little tiny area maybe I don't know five feet wide or five feet around maybe seven feet around and then it, there's a conveyor belt lifting the soybeans into the green bin and then they're in the green bin to be stored dried and stored or whatever for the season so I hated that because of the conveyor belt and the small amount of space and where the grain bins where the soybeans were located you were having to like back up and inch your way in backwards and it was just so crowded in that yard and I hated it and luckily it wasn't long and then also once the grain bin is full you have to be like checking it and you have to climb up the silo the grain bin silo and I guess it's not a silo, it's a grain bin. You have to climb up it, which is high, and then put the top on. I don't even know why the tops were off, if I'm being honest. I hated that. Hated, hated, hated. You know what's even worse, though, than that? Is cleaning out a soybean grain bin. That, my friend, smells like your... That smell of rotten soybeans is a is a mix between burning rubber, skunk, and the most foul sewage you've ever smelled. It burns your nose. It's like ammonium, 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 ammonia, ammonia. You know what I'm talking about? The worst stench. It burns your nose hairs off. You have no nose hairs. Which prevents you from even smelling after that. And that no, that smell is burned. No kidding. Burned in your nose. Burned in it. So. Yes. You can see why I didn't like it. Uh, another farm job was the seeds. Which the seeds were already dried and stored. So. What I did in that season was you would take the seeds, well, yeah, no, they weren't stored and they weren't dried. So what I did was I went out to the field, 
they harvested them and um, put them in my truck, like over my truck. They shot them into my truck. You drive. They like they uh. What am I trying to say? I can't think of the words of the machines right now. It's because I'm so haven't done it in so long. But basically, it's a machine that has collected the seeds that, so like the, um, it's like a lifter, so for sugar beets, but they just are basically harvesting, I don't know what the exact tractor is, but it harvests the seeds from the field, and then puts them in this other machine that I think it might be in the same machine and then that machine dumps it into your truck and then you drive once your truck is full of seeds you go to the weigh station in this small town they weigh your truck and you know my favorite thing about going to the weigh station is sometimes the ladies that worked the weigh station would ask me if I wanted some seeds so they they have a room the reason they do this is to test the seeds to make sure they are good seeds and so I think they do it with almost every batch I don't know but they would test they shell the seeds and then they actually salt them and like oil them oh my gosh so delectable and they're always warm because they dried them <gasps> so good so good so good. I'm telling you girl the best snack they'd give me like a little baggie of them because they were like a sample size <gasps> so good that was like my favorite thing I loved it it was like the best treat and then you would drive into the field or drive into the farmyard and you dump the seeds uh, so you have to get it right over the hole so you have to move there's like um, a metal crate and you have to turn on this the grain bin so you have to turn it on and you have to turn the right grain bin on so wait the farmyard I worked at my uncle's farm there were lots of different grain bins in the area so you had to make sure you were on you knew which grain bin was sucking it up and you had to turn it on and get it going and then um, and then you get back in your truck and you dump the truck, which is the same process I told you before, like when you're dumping the corn with the e-brake and the hydraulics and whatnot. So then, but one thing about this being in the farmyard is that some people, some guys would drive away with their dump truck still up. And one guy did it three times and hit the power line in the farmyard three times. I think he got electrocuted one time as well because he's touching the ground, right? So he left his dump truck, his truck bed up and it hit the power line and electrocuted him. That is the ultimate fail on the farmyard. So, the last four podcast yawns, I need an energy drink. We're about to get to a town. 
where I can stop, which I'm afraid to stop if I'm being honest on this road trip because the baby is so sound right now that I literally don't want to stop. So, I don't know if I should, whether to stop or not. We'll see. I have some more time before we get to this town. Oh, only five minutes. Oh, that's not good. And then I have another hour after that. Oh, okay. So, anywho. The last thing I did while um, driving truck. Oh, no. This is not the last thing. There's two more things. I didn't even write one down. It's because I wanted to block it out of my memory. I'll tell you. Okay, so first, the first thing, it's not this thing. The next thing is sugar beets. Now, sugar beets is like the highlight season of farming. And it is like the cremo of the crop for, season, for you know, things you wanna do on the farm. Okay, so I'm gonna apologize for any no noise right now because I am just getting onto some back roads and it is kind of rough. So the best part about driving truck is sugar beet harvest. You make the most money and you work a ton of hours and then it's over <laughs> and uh, it's so intense it's like crazy intense season but so much fun and yeah so there's two shifts 1 a.m or noon midnight basically midnight to one you have to be there at midnight well no i would get up you have to be there before one because at 1, the so it's 1 a.m. to 1 p.m. or 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. Now, I am a morning person. So 1 a.m. to 1 p.m. is my jam. And that's what I worked. I, I, I was like, I have to work this. I cannot work 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. I will fall asleep. I cannot. I cannot. So... Although that would have been better sleeping-wise, because you don't sleep very well if you do the other shift. Anyways. So, you have to get up at, at midnight. Basically, get yourself all ready. Get your lunch ready. And then head out the door and be at the shop at 1 a.m. By 1 a.m., you are fueling up your truck. You're checking the tires. You're checking the oil you are basically cleaning your windows off you're cleaning out the truck while the guy the, the, the person before you is doing all this for you um and then they hand you off the truck and you head out and you have to get on the radio and figure out which field that they're at or people in the shop might tell you dudes in the shop figure out what field you're at, figure out how to get to the field, and remember, it's 1 a.m. right now when you start your shift. So 
it's pitch black out and you're in the middle of podunk nowhere so there's no lights there's no there's no road signs only on the big main one main road maybe some offside roads have signs but then that's it if you get off the main road the rest of the all the other roads don't have any like signs to tell you what road you're on because everything's marked by miles everywhere you go in North Dakota is a square mile so that's how you know you go like four miles out and then they also direct you by northeast west and south so you have to know what direction is which so they'll be like four miles north then they'll be so if they're giving you directions they're gonna be like you go out on the highway go four miles east then four miles south then four miles east again and then go four miles north and then west or whatever you know what I mean they're, they're telling you this way or they just tell you the field they'll be like you know Schroeders and then you have to just go to that field and maybe on the radio they might tell you one time maybe if you don't already know they act like you should already know but if they tell you once then they're not going to tell you again and if they tell you how to get there and if they will they might shut the radio off on you <clears throat> you know who you are and then they won't answer you again and then you're just out in the middle of nowhere in the pitch black dark with all the stars and all the crickets and mountain lions whatever whatever else is out there coyotes and you have to try to figure it out maybe you'll find one of our trucks you have to try to watch our trucks or whatever or you have to call people on the phone you can't just be on the radio because not too many people can be on the radio because then too many people are on the radio then they'll get mad at you for that because I would always jump on the radio and crack jokes and make people laugh and try to like mess with people you know or jump onto other people's radio when the radio is really meant for just talking work stuff like okay like stuff you need to communicate like actually communicate but when it's like late in the afternoon everybody's situated and kind of knows where we're at then people start cracking jokes and making fun of everybody so um so you got to kind of know you got to read the read the radio you know but uh I'll tell you a quick story so one time I maybe I'll save this for another podcast oh sorry about that well let me tell you this one story so I got okay so one time at night I was going out to the field and I couldn't figure out where it was and it was like they had switched fields like I thought they were in one field and then they had switched fields and I didn't catch it on the radio or something I don't know what so then I tried to go to the field I couldn't figure out where the field was I got lost because the roads aren't marked and then I kept asking people and people were getting frustrated so all the people that knew where the field was turned off the radio on me so then I was completely lost which again the roads aren't marked so but I did know where the one main road is it was like 16 or something and I had to get to that one main road and then it, it was a little bit easier to find once I was on that main road right so if I could just find that one road I would be good but I 
and, and, and everybody shut their radio off on me and I was like lost. So it's like pitch blackout. There's nobody in sight and I'm lost and there's no road signs and there's no like, so you don't know where you, you're in the middle of nowhere, literally. And no one can help you and nobody's answering their phone. Literally, I called everybody that was awake on that shift and nobody answered. So, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're in your truck driving. What else could you possibly be doing? Unless the lifter person, the only person in the lifter, which is the person lifting in the field, in the tractor, lifting out the beats. I mean, that's the only person that could maybe be too busy to talk to you because they have to be, they're always in their truck and they're, you, I'll explain it, but it's complicated and a lifter shouldn't be on their phone. So it's like, you have to be paying attention pretty much unless there's no truck next to you. So I'm like, what in the world? So I, I had no, no one else I could call. So I was just, I finally like was so exasperated. I ended up finding this tractor. There was a tractor with a guy in it. I, I didn't, couldn't tell at first, but then there was a light on. And then I got closer. I drove a little bit closer and I saw that he had his feet up on the dash of like where the steering steering wheel was and the light was on and he had his cowboy hat over his face and he was just like snoozing he was sleeping and you could see that and I was like okay this is my last resort I just have to find this highway 16 or whatever so I run over there like no 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 listen to this so I parked the semi kind of and it's like a one it's like a tiny road it's not it's like it's like a side road so it's like one lane basically highway or like little dirt road and I parked the truck kind of on the side I'm empty I don't have beats in my truck and I book it so, so I'm running through a plowed field a lifted field of sugar beets so that means that they there are wild chunks and it's pitch black out so that's like ankle rolling territory of the century like you cannot see what you're walking on you will roll your ankle during the day walking through a field like that so walking through a nighttime field like that no i booked that sucker and i didn't roll my ankle once and i ran through the field pitch black dark with like mountain like gopher I don't know if you're from the city or whatever but like city like gopher hole type like huge like up like halfway up your leg like mounts of rocks and dirt piles like everywhere because it's lifted and um they pulled out sugar beets like huge sugar beets like the size of a watermelon anywhere from like a melon or like an apple to a watermelon size sugar beets and that's how much like ground it's lifted and so it's a lot and I'm running through the field, pitch black, and I run up his tractor and knock on his window. And he, like, startles awake, jumps out. He jumps up because he's, like, scared because it's pitch black. He's not thinking he's going to see nobody. And I am standing there, and I just wave at him. How hilarious, right? Like, I just am waving at him, sitting there like this girl. Not only am I not a dude, but I'm a girl like because no dude no girls like work this industry and at this weird hour I mean yeah so but there's a lot of people doing sugar beet harvest during this time so like anyways so I get I'm waving sitting there waving and he opens the tractor door he's like yes and I'm like hi um I'm lost 
I was wondering if you knew where Highway 16 is. And he just looked at me like, blink, 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 like, are you really standing in front of me right now? And yes, I was. And I was really lost. And and he just, like, thought it was the most goofy. I think he must have probably was laughing his butt off in his head. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you're really close. And he, like, told me right where it was. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was so frustrated. So I got to the highway. And then I could figure out where I was from there, the field from there. But, like, I guess, like, I told that story to my uncles and my aunts and people that are, like, regularly do harvest. And I didn't think it was that funny, but they thought it was the most riot. Like, they thought it was the most hilarious thing in the whole world. Seriously. So, I'm glad they thought it was hilarious. And I'm glad... I could entertain them but I have a bunch of stories like that so maybe I'll have to share some stories like that in the future I don't know if I have enough time on this podcast today I've already shared a lot so I'm gonna keep going with what I've been talking about so anyways you when you're in the lifter like what how you do sugar beets is you drive into the field and with your semi and you wait in line and then finally when it's your turn to get in get like all the sugar beets in your truck you there's a tractor in the middle of the field like going up and down and he's lifting up sugar beets from the field and they go into like um like a basically this one area in the tractor that puts all the sugar beets in a bin or whatever and they're moving around and shaking all the dirt off it and then it goes up on a conveyor belt and then up over your truck and right into your truck so you have to line up you're only a couple feet like one or two feet away from the truck you can't be too from the tractor in your semi and then you drive right along next to the truck some you're like maybe a foot apart and you have to line it up with how far apart you are from the tractor as well as the conveyor belt above your truck and you're doing it all while moving at the same time and you're not moving fast you're moving like one or two miles per hour so think about driving your car how slow that is and you have to keep it steady and yes you're in a manual vehicle so that's even harder and then it's a huge semi so it takes a lot of power to even get it moving so then to keep it going one or two miles per hour and you're going that steady and slow and plus you're watching and making sure you're not going to bump into the conveyor belt above you because you could wreck the tractor and then you don't want to run into the you want to don't get too far away because then you'll drop all the sugar beets and then people get mad at you because it keeps coming out so it's it's a it's a deal you got to be paying attention really intensely so they fill up your truck and then they'll let you know on the radio and then you um they'll stop and then you'll drive off you'll drive through the rest of the way through the field straight through come around they have made they made a path for you and then you'll go to the approach outside by the road and then you will drive off to the piler now which is the plant so the sugar beet plant so then the next person that's in line behind your truck will get in line behind in the next to the tractor the the lifter and then they'll 
go. So that's like a whole machine. Like everybody's, you know, making that work. And, um, and so then I was just checking to make sure he's asleep still. And he is, um, the presence of the Lord is here. I am telling you, this is the best drive we've ever had. I have 25 more minutes and I am in heaven just chatting with you. And, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it. And then, um, yeah. So anyways, yeah. So you go to the piler now and so there's all like other lots of farmers that are doing this so there's tons and tons of trucks so you drive into the plant the piler area and so it's the plant the sugar beet plant you drive in get in line behind all the other trucks you pull in they'll tell you when to stop and then um they will start the conveyor belt underneath you and then you do the whole thing like i told you before you put the e-brake on first and then you open the door first because if you put the hydraulics on before the door you will all the beats will pile up and you'll flip the truck so you have to open the door so it starts to let the sugar beets out onto the conveyor belt and then you put the hydraulics in and um and then push go so then it starts to lift it and then it goes and they will direct you to either (laughs) oh we have a baby oh he's back asleep that is so interesting yeah so um they will tell you to stop the hydraulics so you have to be watching the person up on the um lift and also i forgot to mention this so they'll have you stop at any moment so you have to be ready to stop the hydraulics on the truck and lift the bed um but you also when you drive the truck onto the piler the piler is literally pretty much as wide as the truck the semi is so you it's about an inch on each side that's wiggle room so you have to literally line it up perfect on with the truck because it's an only available is it one inch on each side and that's how big it is because there's walls on it and so you got to be real careful with that uh so then once your truck is empty you for me i put the i like to um put the bed down and then drive forward that's just safer so you put the bed all the way down of the truck and then drive forward and then lift it a little bit to get any of the dirt out some guys will just drive right off the piler like the because it's like a ramp and it's dangerous because if one if you know anything about trucks or semis if the bed is up and one wheel goes down before the other because when you're turning one wheel can go down off the ramp first you will flip you can flip the truck which is why you they don't recommend driving with the bed up because you can flip it so easily but guys will do it because they're in a hurry and they will flip the truck by leaving the bed up and driving forward and then getting the dirt out and then putting it down only one time instead of and then shutting the door and going on their way instead of putting the bed down getting out of the way so the next truck can get up on the piler 
then lifting the bed back up, scraping all the dirt out, and then shutting the door and put the the door back. Because sometimes if you put the door, the reason you have to do the door while the bed is up is because you have to get all the dirt out, scrape it out because it gets stuck in the clamps of where it, the door that, that clamps the door shut. But sometimes, um, so if you forget, wait, what am I saying? Uh, I'm, I'm mom brain farting. Okay. Um, the clamps, like the doors get wedged with dirt. So you have to get the dirt out. It skips a step. You essentially save time. But you have to push the door in because it doesn't shut all the way when it's flat. You have to, and if dirt is wedged in there, you can't shut it. It's just too heavy. So you have to shut it while it's, well, if it's hanging. Okay, wait. You get the dirt out, then you shut it. Then you put the bed down, then you clamp it. Make sure it's clamped. You want to make sure and get out and check. Because when if you don't clamp it and you get back to the field and they fill your truck with sugar beets, it's gonna dump all the sugar beets out and then they get wedged in there and then you can't shut the door at all and everybody gets mad you slow the machine down and believe me everyone's done it before once and everybody gives it that person such a hard time and makes fun of them forever oh too loud oh he stayed asleep oh praise the lord and yeah so you want to make sure you're doing that whole thing i have more stories from that time like when cops pulled me over just to get my number and when guys the main guy of the plant he was younger he would let me do extra like when the plant was supposed to be closed for the night or for the day or at some time he would let me bring in my truck because he thought it was cute like stuff like that was really funny um people told me that my that cops could hear our radio so they would know what station I'm on and know where I'm at and then they would want to pull me over I don't know weird stuff but let's move on to the next job shall we if I can find it in a timely manner yes so um so driving truck so then I came back from oh also when I was on the farm that time there's a lot of other jobs I did at the same time like when I got done driving truck I would weed whip which is the worst job in the whole world I feel like I have I'm just gonna make this podcast a little bit longer today you're just gonna get a little bit longer of a podcast um so I would weed whip and if like that's like so where I did weed whipping was like kind of pondy area like it was a ditch but there was like pond water so there were like reeds and the reeds were like an inch thick each one so you'd have to sit there and wait and let it cut 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 through and it would take about sometimes five minutes to cut one and it was just the worst they were like really strong and the worst things to cut and they took forever and the the weed whipper that I had would always break off so it was just the worst and it would take forever and you can't run your mower through it because it's filled with water so you have to weed whip it was just awful I'd spend hours and hours and hours doing that I would also take a few hours to mow the lawn because it had such a big yard because it was a farmyard um I would also
also ride the skidster, skidsteer, skidsteer if you're from the farm, skidster, and um, ooh, ooh, ooh. and uh, you're moving things around, lifting things, moving things around on the farm. You paint stuff, paint fences. That's so typical. Paint whatever they would need. Ow. Ow. Okay. Um. What else did I do? Changing tires, changing the oil um, on cars. What else? I think that's about it. So, the summer that I came back from studying abroad, the next job was uh, Christmas tree shaping. No, I, it was like, I worked on a tree farm. I worked on a tree farm and they give you a leg guard and a machete no kidding the machete was like two feet two and a half feet three feet long a meter maybe a meter long this straight sword machete and it's blade on one side and they give you a leg guard and then you literally they'll have rows and rows and rows of trees and you will all pick a row and then you you kind of angle your machete up over your head at an angle and then you slice down and you angle the tree and so uh it was like i think the worst job i've ever had in my whole life um your hands get all blistered up your arm gets exhausted, your shoulder, and then you're in the fire hot heat. It's like 90, 100 degrees, and you have to wear pants because there are these bees. I forget what they call them, but they're black and white bees. I forget what they call them. They had a special word for them. But they, they're like you're getting stung by a wasp, but it's like a ton of bricks behind it. I Believe me, I got stung. It hurts so bad. It, there's so much power behind it and they sting you with something different than I've ever they're just special bees they're black and white and they're big and round and they're strong as all get out and they live in Christmas trees like pine trees in the summer and so I forget what they're called there were like um, a lot of weird things that happened. I worked with all guys, another job where I worked with all men. I worked with all men driving truck. And this was another no exception to the rule where, you know, I mean, guys are guys. And it's kind of like they just don't have any filter. And they just would talk about porn and naked women. It was just awful. Like swearing all the time. Your ears like are like being cut with nails and um they're super mean very mean so rude so mean um cutting each other down talking to each other like they're garbage and um yeah just sad 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 he keeps waking himself up with the ladder with the rattle i feel bad then he falls right back asleep. Oh, so anywho, um, he is so cute. I'm sorry. Uh, and then 
oh also we found rattlesnakes one day we were so we like heard rattling but we weren't sure so we kind of like were following it it was a humongous rattlesnake in the middle of the midwest like in minnesota and it was wrapped around this christmas tree this like pine tree it was insane the biggest it was huge it was like amazon like it was a huge rattlesnake i'm like what the heck i didn't even know there were rattlesnakes in the midwest and um i remember coming home like every day crying because it was so emotionally exhausting and uh, like the terrible things they talked about and my hands were always bloody and blistery and sore and then my feet hurt and my back hurt and my arms were always so sore and you, you work for like 10 hours a day and you get hardly any breaks and you're you're so thirsty and you're sore and then the, the people are just terrible that you work with and but the reason I did that job was because it was the only job left I came back home in the middle of May or June and it was the, all the jobs in the town were taken already you know what and if I would have had the wherewithal I didn't want to drive all the way like we lived like 30-40 minutes from a big town or I guess we lived 15 minutes in a different way direction but if I, I should have just took in a little extra and like drove I just didn't want to I, I think I didn't want to work fast food or rest food and I didn't get the golf the golf course jobs in our town again so because I came later you have to be applying for those things early like in spring you know so I was I was in over abroad so I couldn't do that at that time so that was a major bummer I would come home crying every day and I just refused to quit but it worked out um, and at the time, $10 an hour was, like, a lot. And I think that's what they paid me. <sighs> was not worth $10 an hour, I will tell you that. But it was before the inflation. Like, minimum wage was, like, $7. So that's what I would have got everywhere else. So it was, like, it paid well at the time, if you know what I mean. Like, all the serving jobs were, like, $7 an hour. So, I mean, it paid you know, you're getting a lot more money back then. It was worth way more. So, I'm not that old, but I guess I'm old enough. I don't know. So, let's see. We're getting down on the list here. We're starting to get to my adult jobs. So, let's see. Yeah, I think. So, I graduated college shortly after that. And I did my first job. Now, I was holding out for like a really high paying 60K. At the time, 60K was a lot. And I wanted a really well paid job, you know, a big girl job from graduating and spending all the money going to school. I mean, I felt like that's what I was owed, entitled, millennial right here. And I wanted it right out of college, you know. Of course, I waited. I kept looking after a year, didn't get it. So my dad's like, you just got to suck it up and get any old job. So I worked at a salon. I was a manager of a tanning salon. And I was so embarrassed. I hated it. They only paid me $13 an hour. It was the worst. I was so mad. I was like, I felt like garbage. And, but I did it. And I worked there for like a year or two. 
And then I finally, one of the girls that worked for me got a job at Wells Fargo as an online banker at a tele, a tele uh, over the phone in a call center. And I just went too. And um, because I wasn't moving, you couldn't move up in the company. So I decided they paid $15 an hour at the Wells Fargo. So I ended up doing that. And um, it was awful as well. It was so mentally taxing. And Wells Fargo got in trouble for this later, but they always were like pushing products and badgering people for it. So that I worked there for another two years. That was so terrible. I hated it. I was going bonkers. I couldn't sit still. I ended up getting on Adderall to try to make myself, you know, stay still and be focused on the job and do a good job. And because I couldn't sit still, I don't know what was wrong with me. I hated it. I hated that job too. It was mentally like torture, like mental torture for real. And, um, after that, what did I do? I think I ended up working at an insurance company, another well-known insurance company, and I did medical claims. So when you get in an accident, if certain states only have this insurance, and so when you get in an accident, um, I would be the one you'd talk to to make sure you got if you were injured. So that job I worked for another two years and that wasn't great, but the people were so much better and so much fun that I ended up working there much longer. My manager was like an angel. And so I got, that was my first work from home job too, which was so cool. I fell in love with work from home that I ended up working for 3M it's a very well-known manufacturing company and I was like the middle person between like all the shipping like they created the products and they shipped them off to different companies like Taco Bell and McDonald's or all over the world but I worked with the fast food industry and so we shipped the company, the products. I was the middle person to talk to like the shipping trucks and our pricing company, our pricer people that priced our products. Cause it was always fluctuating every day, every day it was changing. And so I had to manage that and our marketing and outside companies that were buying the products. Yeah. And the, the, the people that were buying it, like the whole, retail people like Taco Bell themselves or McDonald's and I had to work it all out make sure the products got from our warehouses to it was a lot it was a big job big girl job and um it was a temp job so the people that were working the actual job and got paid directly from the company got paid double what I was getting from through the temp agency that was interesting and knowing I could be getting like you know fifty sixty thousand dollars but I was getting half 
um, for the job I was doing. Very interesting, very good insurance, and um, yeah, it's an interesting experience if you ask me. And after that, I moved to Texas and I started a job that has been my favorite job ever, I want to say. Actually, no, this, well, okay, the actual job I was doing was awesome. I just got to pray for people for a TV station down in Texas. It was, the people were amazing. I would love to go back and work there. And you pray for people and yeah, it's a Christian organization, TV station where I got to pray for people. So amazing, such an awesome job. And I got paid really well for what I was doing. I mean, not like, oh my gosh, amazing pay, but like it was enough. It was amazing pay for what I was doing. Let me tell you that. I got paid to pray for people. Figure that one out. Such a blessing. And with the season that I was in, where I was going to uh, Christian uh, University Ministry School, I it was worth it and it was different hours that worked out with my schedule it was a blessing let me tell you I will never forget that and I will praise the Lord till I die for that job because of the season I went through and the opportunity that was available and the hours that were available and I ended up meeting my husband and some really great people along the way so I will never forget that and I'm so thankful so yeah, and then the next job that I work now, I work in marketing for another ministry where I do like newsletters and um, process applications for ministry school that um, is available here. And so anyways, I'm also going to be editing some videos and I do edit videos for them and some, I'm excited about a couple different projects coming Anyways, I do marketing. I do a lot of different things with this job, but I'm able to work from home and take care of my baby and be with my husband and his family. And I'm right now on my way to visit my own family and I can work from home while on holiday on the 4th of July. So honestly, this is my favorite job ever because of the flexibility it, it allows me. And I think I will never work another work from home job unless once all my kids grow up, Honestly, I would like to work on a TV or like um, a movie set. That would be, I think that's just a bucket list for me. I want to work on a movie set one time. Like, and I want to work in editing. Yes, that is a bucket list job. You know what? I should make bucket list job, a, a job bucket list. Oh, that would be pretty cool. Anyways... I think that's all I talked your ear off. I am in at my destination site, just about there. So I think this week's podcast was a blast. And I'm so thankful I got to chat with you because I had no service along the way. Sorry to my friend I didn't get to chat with if you listen to this. But I'm glad I got to chat with you. Uh, you're my friend. So I am thankful and you can follow goatee gd on twitter and you can tweet me anything you would like me to talk about or on instagram georgia hertzberg underscore 
or you can write a review. Also, I would love it if you would write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate it and follow. Please follow so that you get notifications for next week's and all the weeks. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening.